0: Quarterly Report. This is your host, Arman Lee. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 206. Of course, you guys know who I am. I am your host, Armand Lee. Thanking each and every one of you all for spending about 90 minutes or so with your boy. And man, so much has gone on in the sports world in this past week. And there's so much to look forward to discussing, including. Rob Manfred, y'all know I can't stand baseball, but the baseball MLB's commissioner, he jumped out there full blast, and uh, it 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 even as someone like myself who was not a fan of baseball, not a fan of MLB Network, it does provide an interesting opening to discuss propaganda and the ability for these leagues and commissioners to dictate a lot of the narratives, but at what cost and at, when, at what point will we, the viewing public, say enough? That's a conversation we'll jump into a little bit later in the show. All that plus, what I tell you about the damn San Diego Chargers? Excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers. What did I tell y'all about the Los Angeles Chargers? Doesn't matter if it's Phillip Rivers, doesn't matter if it's Justin Herbert, doesn't matter who the coach is, this team that clearly has tons of talent can never get over the hump. That's our fourth quarter today. But a team that finally did get over the hump is where we start with our first topic this week. First quarter. Y'all can hear this. This is me giving a round of applause to them dogs down in GA. Shout out to Pastor Troy, L. Duncan. You feel me? Two chains. All y'all who've been repping for them dogs all these years, throughout all the heartache. The motherfucking Georgia boys finally came through, man. And I'd be damned, i tell you, I told people after the SEC championship game, I remember saying vividly, there was no way I was going. Like Georgia had all of the tools, everything that they needed to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. To not even to not even have Alabama be a factor in the national championship game. And they shipped the bed in their backyard in Atlanta. And at that point, I made a declaration. I was like, you know what? I will never believe in the Georgia Bulldogs until they show me something, right? Every year, every year, Georgia's this top recruiting class. They've got all this talent, all of these future pros. They're in fucking Georgia, right? Georgia, Florida, right there. All this talent, all of these great athletes. And each year, they find a new way to stumble so I was like all right man fool me once shame on you we know the whole we know the whole thing right and then when the lights were the brightest Stetson turns the ball over before it goes uh leads to the go-ahead touchdown for for Bama in the third quarter I was like okay well then this is the story this is how it goes We know how this now plays out. But Georgia showed something that they haven't quite showed before. They showed the internal toughness to be like, yeah, they're going to march right back down the field, answer with a touchdown, and then we're off to the races. And shout out to them dogs, man. Because, damn it, I didn't think they had it in them. I did not think they had it in them. But, they showed and proved, and they showed themselves in a resounding way. The way they closed, it was very ter- Y'all know I'm a boxing fan. They closed the show very much like Terrence Crawford. You get a little shaky. You know, sometimes Bud will be in the ring, and he's just playing around, and he gets touched up on, and you're like, uh-oh. And then something happens, and Bud, and he's like, all right, man, fuck this shit. Let's put this thing down right now. And the way Georgia closed that game, leaving no doubt no crazy call, no fluke play, no uh, controversy. It was a closing that left no doubt that the best team in college football is the team who showed themselves to be the best team in college football all year long. Congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs, man. You know, we're going to talk about the, the Chargers in the fourth quarter this week and how, you know, there are certain teams who have the kind of the the fraudulent banner or moniker that just an era, an aura, excuse me, that just kind of floats around them. And that's what I always thought of Georgia When they lost that game earlier, late in 2021 to uh, Alabama in the SEC championship game, I was like, all right, man, if not now, then when? If this, if y'all can't do it this year, and again, we remember the national championship game a handful of years ago with Tua making the, the phenomenal play in overtime, right? But the fact of the matter is, Georgia has had these top teams and all of this talent for so long. They've had opportunities to knock off Bama countless times in the past. And until last night, or excuse me, Monday night, they hadn't taken that opportunity. They had all the chances, but they never capitalized off the opportunity. And now that we are here. And now that we are celebrating the dogs and now that we can finally say, Georgia, you've lived up to the potential, you've lived up to the hype, you have done what many of us have expected or, yeah, I think expect is the right term. Expect it from a school, a program like yours in that area. Well, man, you know, what is there left to say? We just, you know, turn our attention to Alabama for just a brief moment. I think we all understand Alabama is going to be fine. Bryce Young is a pup. He's coming back for another year. He's going to get better. We would all assume skill position players, the DB is going to be healthy. The defensive line is only going to get stronger. Like, we know what it is for Bama, right? They'll be back in the championship, if not next year, the year after. I would probably assume they'll be back next year. It's a machine just keep on, the, the 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 pegs keep on turning. This isn't going to stop anytime soon. There are a well-oiled machine. But we saw, yo, Bryce, and he not always A1. There were some throws that were there to have, just missed them. Obviously, we were all going to look to that pick six to kind of really seal the game. There were, there were plays out there that they left on the field. And that's okay, I guess, when you are a team like that, like Bama, who's always in the championship and who regularly wins the title, you know that they're going to have another opportunity. At least we all assume that. But this doesn't have to be the end for Georgia either. You know, for so long, we've kind of looked for a team to really be the rival, to Bama. and LSU was that for a, a small period of time. Actually, I shouldn't say that. LSU came with less and then they were gone for a bit. And then with Ed, Coach O, they had the one year of uh, phenomenal play. But, um, you know, Coach O just couldn't handle the success in a, in a, in a party town like uh, New Orleans. But it's cool. We had Clemson for a brief time with Deshaun and two. Phenomenal games in the national championship, two great games. And there was a period of time where we're like, okay, maybe this is but that, they, they can't and then, you know, Trevor Lawrence. There were there have been brief periods of time where it looked like Alabama was going to have a rival. We all remember the one year with Cam at Auburn. Needless to say, Alabama has been in this position before. It's not like they've won twelve straight championships. We know we'll see them again. The question is, will we see Georgia? I think most of us was, or I think it's fair to say that most of us feel extremely confident that we will see Alabama back. The funny thing is, even after Georgia did with so many of us assumed they should have already done but have been tricked in years past, Georgia finally reached the mountaintop, but now do we all have the confidence to say that even with their location, their talent, that type of program, where it should be assumed that they will be back, how confident are we that they will? And I guess that's the truest testament or the truest statement into the the, the believability, the confidence that everyone has in Georgia, not the talent, not the players, not the program, but in the fabric of that team, the coaching staff, the leadership there, how confident are you that they can do it again? Because even in a loss, even in a bad performance by their standards, Alabama I'm talking about now, there's no doubt that we're gonna see them again. We all know. We all know. This isn't about Alabama, though. This is about Georgia. I wanna make sure that we give them their flowers. We appreciate what they did how they did it, how they closed the show, how they silenced the haters and the detractors, myself included. Because I wanted to believe Georgia could do it before the SEC championship game. And after that performance, I was like, no, they can't. But I was wrong. They absolutely could. They absolutely did. But can they do it again? Because unfortunately, in the sports world, you don't get but for so long to celebrate. You don't get so many opportunities to just sit in the moment and bask in your success because the game keeps moving. The world keeps turning. Don't think for a second that Bryce Young, I mean, we'll see. But I believe Bryce Young is the type of player that's going to be like, okay, I have to get better. Watch the fuck out. You know that defense for Bama is going to get better. You know the skill positions for Bama are going to get better. They aren't going to stop. And make no mistake, Georgia is tooled. they are they are supremely ready and prepared. I shouldn't say ready or prepared, but they have the arsenal. Unlike most other teams, they've got the talent. They got the locale. They got everything. All you could ever need to be a rival of Alabama Georgia has, maybe with the exception of a star quarterback. But damn it, LSU ain't had no star quarterback those years. They've got it all. But do they have the internal discipline? Do they have the strength mentally to go up and stand up toe-to-toe against a, a, a team that's going to be better than they faced Monday night and punch them in the mouth again? That's the question that I have, but that's the question I can't wait to see play out next year and the years to come in the Southeastern Conference of College Football. It was a phenomenal game. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you feel about the future of both programs, Alabama and Georgia, and if you believe that Georgia has now finally gotten over the hump and now this is when they start to run up the score. I want to hear all of your thoughts about Any and everything regarding the national championship game this past Monday night. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, we're heading to the hardwood with a disappointing outcome for someone who was a trailblazer and someone I believed was going to be the first woman to be an NBA head coach. She still may be, but it's going to happen after a detour. I don't believe any of us saw coming. So our second topic this week. Second quarter. Earlier this week, uh, there was news that in many instances could, maybe should be looked upon as, you know, a a, a good move. Becky Hammond, formerly of the uh, San Antonio Spurs coaching tree, Signed the most uh, lucrative contract as for a coach in WNBA history, and if that was the story that you chose to 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 use, or the the the, the lasting feeling that you chose to take away from um, said story, then yo, congratulations to her. She has been in the front office of one of the most respected organizations top to bottom in the history of not just the NBA, but in pro sports. I can only assume she learned so much at the hand or at the side of one of the greatest coaches of all time, no matter the sport, no matter the league and Greg Popovich. And she decided she was ready to make the step as a lead lead coach and, and and run the team in the way she best sees fit. If that was your takeaway from this story of Becky Hammond, then I can see how maybe you would look at it and say, yo, this is a, a good story. This is not something that anyone should feel bad about. This is, you know, a positive outcome. The most lucrative coaching job in the history of any sport or any league, right? Like there's no tears that need to be shed for Becky Hammond. Bomb. If that is the way you choose to 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 take away from the story of her, meaning Becky Hammond, becoming the new head coach head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, I can, in many regards, be like, okay, I can see where you are coming from. And before I go into my feelings, I wanna make sure it is important that I am not looking or that we do not treat Becky Hammond as some sort of uh, this superhero or this kind of uh, blanket. She can achieve a goal that means the issue of misogyny, the issue of sexism, If Becky Hammond were to become a head coach in the NBA, wow, look at what we've accomplished. Like It is very important that we do not Jackie Robinson her, that we do not Barack Obama her, or Michelle Obama her, Kamala Harris her, and the list goes on and on and on. One person does not mean a significant shift has changed, but... One person still can achieve a monumental goal, and it takes so much for the one. It takes so much for the one. Does that then mean that there has been, hey, we achieved that, we're done. In fact, once you get the one, it's time to rev up the pressure. Look at the NFL, for example. We had Lovey Smith and Tony Junji. what feels like 25 years ago now, but in reality was probably like 10, 10 to 13 years or so, somewhere in that 10 to 15 year range. And at that moment we're like, yo, look at these black coaches. Wow. Boom, boom, boom. And then now we're at the same place that we've always been just because Becky Hammond, or if we are to hyper, you know, If we are to pretend for a moment that, yes, Becky Hammond was able to achieve the ultimate goal that she and I think just basketball fans all over have wanted, you know. If she's good enough to be an assistant head coach for one of the best coaching staffs in the league, don't tell me she's not ready to get an NBA job, particularly when you look at some of the first time hires this past cycle. See, this is this is kind of the thing, right? If you want significant change, if you want diversity, true diversity, it can't just be, yo, let's check this box off. The NBA, there were so many first-time black head coaches that were hired. And that's a good thing, for sure. As a black man, you're not going to ever hear me say, dog, we done hired way too many brothers this cycle. That's insane. You're not going to hear that from me. But if we are to truly want to uh, be a, a people, a society that breaks down walls, it can't just be, dog, just hire the people who look like me. There is a hiring issue in the NBA, yes, as it pertains to black men, but yes, also as it pertains to women, black women, Asians, you go down the line. Front office there was an article I believe in what GQ by Masai Masai Ujiri this past week and he's like yo it's embarrassing that I'm the only black president of basketball operations or leader of the front office in the league. That's real. I'm not off the top. I don't know off the top of my head how many Asians are in a, are NBA head coaches. But when you look at Eric Spoelstra and what he's done, like that's the thing. If the idea is, hey, let's give someone a shot, let's give someone an opportunity, and if they succeed, this will then open the doors for everyone. Well, then when you look around, it can't then be like dog. Mike Tomlin has been one of the best head coaches in the NFL for however many years, and yes, you could say. He never he was never great compared to Belichick. If if that's if that's the banner, if that's the regard, if that's the bar, well then nobody's as good as Bill Belichick. But when you look at John Hartwall, who's a hell of a head coach, mind you, a hell of a head coach, Mike Tomlins' resume is is still better. Then when you consider The injuries. We went a whole episode talking about Antonio Brown. Everybody talks about how Antonio Brown is a head case. Antonio Brown was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL for like seven, eight years in Pittsburgh. You think that he just went off now recently? Imagine all of the things that he had to put up with that has not reached the surface just yet in Pittsburgh. Who was the person controlling all of that? Ben Roethlisberger, future first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. When was the last time Ben Roethlisberger was an exceptional quarterback, a better than average quarterback? Because the Pittsburgh Steelers keep winning games without elite quarterback play. Give me the guy who can do that year in and year out. I'm going on a tangent on Mike Tomlin. This is not about Mike Tomlin. This is about Becky Hammond. The NBA loves to find the pockets, loves to find the shadow that has been given because of the looming, the large, the extraordinary presence of its sports, big brother the NFL. So the NBA, with that shadow, can just take a step out of there and be like, yo, look at us. We're not like the NFL. We're so progressive, and year in and year out, whether it's swim cash or Becky Hammond and who, or the list goes on. There are now these women who are doing a phenomenal job, who are touted out there, like, "Yo, look at us! We're getting another interview. We're we're another hot, you know, buzzword. We're another the new hot candidate." Every offseason and every offseason, we come on and talk about Becky Hammond. She's the front. She's the face of this. I foolishly, like, you know, six years thought, yo, you know what? She's going to be the next head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. I believe that. I truly did. And maybe she will. But who's to say that she couldn't be the next head coach of another NBA team first if Pop wasn't ready to step aside? why is it that she has to go the WNBA route and there's nothing wrong with the WNBA guys I'm not saying that this is somehow a shameful right exercise that this is something that she needs to feel bad about God bless she has the most she signed the most lucrative contract for a WNBA coach in that league's history but then you have to ask why why was that the road that was traveled? When you look at all of these former, and again, f- I'm using this, this, the path as the of the black man as an analogy because it feels as if that story has been articulated a lot, right? The, the, the NBA and the NFL fields, the workforce is majority, majority, the majority of that workforce is black male. We understand that, we know the numbers, and it's, a, and it's a conversation that has been had for years in how and why these leagues do so poorly when it comes to hiring. Not hiring to prove a point, but hiring to, to truly showcase that the due diligence has been taken to find the best and most qualified candidate, no matter what they look like, no matter their sexual identity. In college football, you see, or in football in general, you see all of these former black assistants and former black head coaches that they have to go the route of going to college football. That they have to go the route. Jim Caldwell was like the head coach of an XFL team for the however many months that they were in existence. is not, that's the route, not just because they wanted to, but the path that they have to take. Mike Tomlin made an amazing point about this earlier this season when people thought he was going to take the USC job. And he was like, no, I'm not taking the USC job. I'm a NFL head coach. And why haven't you asked Andy Reid or Sean Payton these very questions that you're asking me? Mike Tomlin is a Super Bowl winning head coach, has been to two. Mike Tomlin, I believe, has had one losing season in his entire his career as a head coach that all has happened in Pittsburgh. Why on earth would we think he needs to go a different route? We understand that question. So let's ask this question of of Becky Hammond. She has been the lead assistant for one of the most respected organizations in sport history. Why does she feel that she has to go to the WNBA to coach? Not that there's anything wrong with the WNBA, because there isn't. But she has applied and interviewed for NBA positions for the last God knows how many years. That clearly is her goal. Why does she feel that she needs to leave the position where she's clearly qualified for to go a different route and path? That's the question that we have to get to. What advice is she hearing? What is she feeling or hearing about herself in the position that she clearly is in? As a lead assistant. I'm not going to start naming names of players and, and, and current head coaches. Right. Who were hired this past year. Who don't have the history or the track record that she does. Or maybe they do have a history as a former head coach. But not not a successful one. And they were hired. Whether they were white or black. I can think of both for both races. without this woman getting a shot. A woman who clearly is deserving. And now, after these years of hiring, she chooses, okay, I need to go this way. What had to happen for her to make that choice? I'm not saying someone, an owner or a front office exec in the WN or in the NBA, excuse me, should have hired Becky Hammond because she's a woman. Clearly, that's never... Happen, And that's nearly never going to be the case. And I just wanted to say that because I can hear people now being like, hey, you want her just to be a token hire? There is no token hire. Give me the one person who has ever been hired in professional male sports because she was a woman. (laughs) She's literally many people thought she was going to be the first. So tell me that she was going to be hired because she's a woman when that has literally never happened. I'm not going to name names, but just look at some of the hires this past offseason. And look at how awful things are going with those hires. And ask yourself this. Some of these people weren't leading head coaches. Did not have the resume that this woman does in terms of leading players and men. If they were hired. I genuinely thought that she was going to be the first woman to coach in the NBA. And I thought that was going to happen relatively soon. And it may. It still may. Both of those things could happen. But I'm leaking confidence that it will. They're going to be a bunch of people who are newly retired, who will get big time coaching opportunities, whether it's a head coaching job or not. But they will be fast tracked. And if we just give one day of frustration, if we just give this type of story and this type of things that this, but doesn't make sense, just one day, 24 hours of attention, and then let it go off into the ethers. But well, then we can't then expect things to change. And I'm not saying that my little podcast and my little 20 minutes or so talking about it is going to be that change. But man, we need to talk. And I appreciate those of you who listen to me to maybe engage in this. And maybe not just listen, engage with your friends, engage with your family when it feels right. Because clearly, clearly. Something had to happen for her to make this pivot. And we are seeing it happen to black coaches at a record at a rapid speeds when you look at football. When you look at basketball, how many of these guys who have tried to, who have spent the time, who have spent the years, the countless hours paying their dues, and then being like, "Oh man, I have to coach. I can't even coach D one. I have to go to D two. I can't get a NFL head coach." So now, Eric Bieniemy is being linked to college programs. Mike Tomlin one of the league's best and on the NBA side let's not forget about Patrick Ewing who spent years i think a decade plus on the on the sidelines as a lead assistant and then had to go to college and had to go to his alma mater we can identify that that's a problem because it is and though that issue is still a problem currently and that that issue doesn't necessarily get the most attention when it comes to the sports world let's not blend the like the things right something that's fucked up in the sports world should not then get the same amount of attention as you know a fucking insurrection or war or uh a pandemic right let's you know i think we all can be reasonable there but when it comes to sports when someone needs to ring the alarm The lack of hiring for black men in professional sports has been wrong. Not nearly as much as it should, but it has been wrong. If we only spend a day. If we only spend a a news cycle and then only a few articles and then just hush up when it comes to women and Becky Hammond specifically. what What do we think is going to happen? If you truly believe in a diver- in, in diversity, if you genuinely believe in it, you can't just pick and choose when it's a problem. You don't necessarily, you may not be informed in everything, and I don't believe I'm informed in every aspect of, the, of diverse hires. But when it is made apparent to me, my little platform that I have, you can best believe I'm going to speak on it. And I want to hear from you. I would like you to speak on it as well if you feel as I do. The path to do that is email quarterlyreport at gmail.com or via Twitter, quarterlyshow. Quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Let me know what you guys think and let me know where you believe the path forward is. Do you believe that she will still be the first woman head coach? Do you believe that that accomplishment that that kind of that opportunity will be granted in a soon in a short period of time because again six seven years ago i thought that we were going to we were on the cusp i have no idea where we are in that timeline all right guys you heard the horn that means it is time for halftime but we've got so much to get into this week i had a few topics that i was thinking about possibly doing but nothing really, really felt right. So we're going to keep the show moving. We'll have halftime again next week, I assure you. But this week, we're going to keep the show moving, heading straight to the second half. Adjustments have been made, didn't need much time. But now we're going to move on to the third quarter and and an interesting discussion about baseball, Rob Manfred reporting and the propaganda the arm of these major leagues when it comes to these professional television stations, right? The leagues that cover, or the stations that cover the leagues that are run by the commissioner and the owners. It's a really, really interesting conversation that really popped or piqued my interest this past week. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. And our third topic this week. Third quarter. If you've listened to this show at all, you know that I really don't give a fuck about baseball. No disrespect, I'm not yucking anybody's yums. If America's pastime is your thing, God bless. Knock yourself out. But for me, baseball is just not really my thing. Great sport to play, awful sport, in my opinion, in my opinion, to watch. That being said, there are times when we on this show, we dive deep into, you know, the America's pastime, right? The the, the the amazing, the, the pageantry of the sport of baseball or the ugly underbelly of what's going on between the American and National League. And this week, there was something that I found incredibly interesting as it pertained to media and the power of commissioners, particularly the power of Rob Manfred. Many of you probably know where I'm going with this, but just in case you do not, Ken Rosenthal, one of the most respected baseball minds in the sport. Contributor to Fox Sports, writer for The Athletic, and earlier this week, a writer and contributor to MLB Network. Ken Rosenthal, again, one of the most respected voices in the sport, took aim at Commissioner Rob Manfred this past week, and that resulted in the commissioner removing or early terminating Rosenthal's contract with the network. It's a lot there to unpack. Let me first say every network, MLB, NFL, NBA, the commissioner of said leagues and the owners of said leagues They basically run the show. They've got complete control over the content that airs on that channel. And if they like it or dislike it, they have the power, whether right or wrong, to adjust. It's government television. It's propaganda. But that's not a shock to anyone, or it shouldn't come as to one. I love the NBA network for the, well, let me not say that. I know, I know a few people who work at the NBA network and there, there are so many talented people who love the sport, who work for the station. I think the station has come leaps and bounds over the past eight to 10 years. But I also think that, you know what, the, the network could do so much more. But that's neither here nor there. One thing that is for certain, though, is when you watch the NBA network, they're not really taking a lot of hard shots. There aren't that many people who are looking to have hard and uh, tough conversations about the league and how the league is run, governed, et cetera. And as we said earlier in this show, yes, there are ways that you could critique the NBA. The NBA just exists in a really comfortable space where they're only, they're, on, they're graded on the curve just because they are the closest, even though they're not particularly close at all, but they're the closest as it pertains to the NFL and a uh, potential rival. Though, let me make this perfectly clear. There is no rivalry. Recently, they uh, released the top 100 programs of the past year. 75 of the top 100 programs were NFL broadcasts. There wasn't a single NBA, MLB, NHL broadcast to crack the top 100. So that kind of lets you know where the divide is and how large the divide is. But my point is the NBA network, NBA TV, they don't. They don't go out and ask hardball questions of the commissioner and coaches and the refs and all that stuff. And it actually is a disservice to NBA fans. I think there is a certain level of creativity, a certain level of uh, curiosity that real diehard NBA fans would want to know Like th- it exists for me and I'm sure it exists for you. And the N- NBA TV could do something with that. But again... It's run by the owners, and it's run by the commissioners. NFL Network, we already know what time it is. Roger Goodell and the owners, you're not going to get any deep dives on Colin Kaepernick. You're not going to get any deep dives on CTE unless it's something that has already been approved by the league. And I think most of us already understand it. It's one of the reasons why there's so many other outlets that people go to when it comes to trying to find um, information. No one really, I mean, I don't know how many of you all actually go to NBA.com or NFL.com for your your, your your information, your rumors, your sources. There's so many other avenues to go to. Well, one thing I will say and give credit for as someone who has worked, not with, but I have worked alongside, right? Ken Rosenthal used to be a contributor at an old network. I do not know him, but I do know his reputation and it's a sterling one within the industry. Ken Rosenthal is a journalist and there have been reports that he and Rob Manfred have never really gotten along and this is something that has been a long time coming, but Ken Rosenthal wrote what he felt. There are a lot of things that are going on in baseball right now don't know if you've been paying attention particularly the lockout and everything else in between ken rosenthal as a reporter should as a columnist should as a journalist should he let the chopper sing now he's not surprised maybe it comes as a surprise to some of you all that the leagues run these networks but make no mistake ken rosenthal was not surprised by this. He knew very well what he was doing and the potential, if not likely, consequences for his peace. And that didn't stop him, which makes me feel like he knew this was coming. And all of that is fine. All of that is fine. But the question we have to ask ourselves is how comfortable are we just because we know they are within their rights? How comfortable are we that these leagues and these commissioners have such a stronghold on how we, we as a viewing public, as an interested sports society, they have such control over the messaging and the information that we are able to intake. Look, man, I don't know what MLB Network does. From a numbers perspective, I assume it's not very great. Just like I assume that the NBA TV isn't great. NFL Network is a beast all to itself because we as an American sports public love the NFL's product. Something else that nothing outside of sex, money and drugs could even come close to understanding in this country. The NFL is just a beast unto itself. So, yes, the NFL Network probably does quite well everything else what are we doing i don't watch the mlb network that much so i can't tell you exactly what's on their programming dial but i would imagine ken rosenthal's voice is a highly respected and a a, a pretty big coup and the fact that he was let go so suddenly just dismissed as if it's just yesterday's news it tells you Where the priorities lie. And as a fan, is this something that we even want to embark on? Is this something that we even value? I don't know the last time you checked your cable bill, but if you are a fan of NBA TV, if you're a fan of MLB Network, if you're a fan of the NFL Network, these leagues, these um, showcase networks by the leagues, they're not cheap. Not at all. But the product is not worth the buck, in my opinion. So when these leagues start to flex like this, we can sit. I'm sitting here in front of my microphone complaining. I'm sure maybe some of you all have complained to your friends. Hell, I know a lot of the people I listen to in the sports world. David Aldridge, Dan Levitard, two of the most people I appreciate the most. They've complained. But are we doing away with these networks? because what service do they provide Again, remove the NFL network because again, we we've, we've all been conditioned to just enjoy the NFL product and to be hooked to some extent. But when it comes to MLB and NBA, where's the value? How does that And again, this is not me hating. Shout out to the NBA network, NBA TV. I love the work there. I'm not going to fake but we also can be like, yo, when's the last time you were forced to think something deeply by watching that product? When was the last time, if you're a baseball fan, were you forced to think critically on a different level by watching MB or MLB Network? Because if Rob Manford, who you would imagine has so much else on his plate right now, if he is willing to strike off one of the most respected writers in the sport because he didn't like a column or he didn't like how he expressed himself on this channel. Think about how petty that is. And if he's willing to do that to someone as respected and as valued as Ken Rosenthal, imagine the things that we don't know about that hasn't gone past his defense. That's the problem. And this, look, I'm coming at this from... Virgin eyes. I don't watch MLB TV. I don't have MLB TV in my home on my cable. But many of you do. And I wonder, I wonder if this is going to be the start of us demanding, us leaning into our power as a viewing public and say, you know what? If we are going to pay this money, if we are going to invest the time, and if you are going to flex your power when it comes to something like this, this Ken Rosenthal situation, well, damn it, let's demand better. Let's demand a higher quality. Let's let's up the ante. Because it's cool if you are going to be run by the commissioner, by the leagues. We get that. And it's cool if you're going to be expensive each month when we pay our cable, particularly as so many people are cutting the cords. But... I think most people would agree, if you give me quality and I can afford it, I will pay it. People will pay for what they want. People prioritize the things that they want. But if we're going to go through all of that, if we're going to grit and bear all of that, if we are going to endure the high prices, if we're going to endure the propaganda arm of the league, well, damn it, let's get some quality television then. I don't think that's too much to ask. And I may not be the biggest baseball. In fact, I'm not a big baseball fan. I'm not a small baseball fan, but I'm friends with those who are. And I've never heard many of them say, man, I love MLB Network. Matter of fact, a colleague of mine who is a baseball fan, a a Twins fan, talking to him two weeks ago or so, and he's telling me how he can't stand MLB Network. As an NBA fan, I appreciate the NBA or NBA TV. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but I think we all can agree. that There could be some tweaks made. Dope people work there. Talented people work there. This is not a shot. But yeah, tweaks should be made. I'm all for empowerment, man. If you're a fan of something, if you're going to create an avenue for people to appreciate your sport and 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 we are not satisfied. Man, we should be empowered to demand change. And after such a brazen act by the MLB commissioner Rob Manfred when it comes to one of the most respected voices in baseball. And that they don't even they don't even they're not afraid afraid to pull the punches. Like this is something that's clearly happening and they're not hiding from it. man, I think maybe this is a time not just for baseball fans, but for sports fans to demand more. Because rest assured, guess what's going to happen next year? Those prices are going to go up, but the quality of programming has remained the same, if not has decreased over the years. And if they are going to willingly and readily cut the voices that maybe make the shows better, well, then it's probably a dooms exercise all around. But I want to hear from you all. Let me know your thoughts. Baseball fans specifically, if you were or are a fan of MLB Network, I want to hear from you. How do you feel about Ken Rosenthal's uh, departure from the station and Rob Manford's actions and his position as commissioner of the MLB? Email me quarterly report at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show that's q-u-a-r-t-e-r-l-e-e show all right guys three quarters are in the books which means we are down to our final topic this quarter. fourth quarter you know over the past few weeks i've discussed about all of the times that i have been wrong all of the times that i thought i had something right and you know what upon further review nah Couldn't have been more wrong. And I think it's important that we always anytime you talk about anything, right? You don't want to get into the point where you're chasing being right. Where you're always so focused on the 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 right take or having a take that when you're clearly wrong, you can't just sit back and be like, dog, I fucked that one all the way up. Like there's just such a lack of humility. I don't know. Maybe. That's what sells. I, I I like to think that that's not it. I like to think that there is a, a, a large segment of the population of sports fans who don't need to have this this loud and hot take and, you know, cliff and this player's falling off a cliff and this person is overrated. Like, I like to think that we can have real conversations, but maybe the theater of the hot take and the argument and embracing debate, maybe that... That rules the day. But I think it's important, at least for me, that when I come up on the platform and, and I, I, I give my opinion that when I'm wrong, I eat that joint. You feel me? Last week we talked about the Bulls. I couldn't have been more wrong about that team. In the past, I talked about how wrong I was about Bradley Beal. And though I don't necessarily think I was as wrong as some of you all think, when I said that Bradley Bill was not going to be a productive NBA player, that couldn't have been further from the truth. I was wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Even this week, talking about Georgia, I did not think that they had it in them. I did not believe that they were going to be able to pull what they did off. I don't. I did not believe that they were going to be able to play that hard, that gritty, that tough in the biggest stage. And not only did they, they did it by knocking off the big bad demon, the big bad brother of Alabama. With that being said, understand that it is very much important to call it out when you had it wrong. To be humble enough to understand, yo, I couldn't have been wrong. I was I couldn't have been more off. But when you get it right, oh yeah, it's time to celebrate that joint too. And fucking Charger fans, slim. I don't want to hear anymore. Again. Y'all are basically going to be placed on what Georgia was after the SEC championship. So, again, you could take, you could feel really good about this. Look at what Georgia did. They turned everything around and then now they are champions. So, that's where we're placing you guys now, Charger fans. I'm so sick every year, every year. And I tell y'all this all the time every year in the nfl oh man anybody can win anybody can do it watch out for this team people were saying that the watch people got on espn's big time shows talking about how the washington football team could be what the niners were the last few years tell me how that looked how that turned out and this is not a shot at y'all burgundy gold fans shout out to y'all it's been a rough few years it's fuck it. let's be real it's been a rough few decades as a Nick fan, I empathize. I I can feel where you guys are coming from truly. But everybody's so convinced that because it's the NFL anybody can win. And what I'm trying to tell you all is no, you can't. What the Bengals have done this year is what everybody has tried to tell you for years is what the Chargers are capable of. And I've been waiting Year after year after year. Since Marty Schottenheimer was fired from the Chargers organization, everybody, every single year has sat by and said, hey, this is the year the Chargers are going to do it. Phillip Rivers is a future first ballot Hall of Fame. Maybe not first ballot, but he's a future Hall of Famer. No question. All those years after Marty left. Bunch of eight, uh, eight Nates. Nine and sevens, six, like all these crazy losses. It's been this way for over a decade now. Then um, Anthony Lynn comes in, build the defense up. Everything looks good. They had that one winning season. And then loss after close loss after tough loss after close loss, he's gone. They get Justin Herbert. Everybody's looking, okay, this guy's the next. We were saying that Justin Herbert may be better than Patrick Mahomes. After we had just said that Patrick Mahomes may be the best quarterback who's ever played the game. (laughs) Do you see how silly sports takes are? Not that long ago this season, this season, there was a real live discussion about if you take Justin Herbert over Patrick Mahomes. We spent the last year and a half talking about how Patrick Mahomes is the greatest player who's ever played quarterback. Better than Tom Brady, better than Aaron Rodgers. We just spent 18 months doing that for three weeks of debating Justin Herbert. And uh, this is not a knock on Justin Herbert. Wins loss is not necessarily a quarterback stat, but what the fuck? The whole thing is silly. It's just crazy how we do things. And year after year, hey, man, got to watch out for the Chargers. They're the sneaky. You can't be the sneaky motherfucker if every year people are expecting. Dog, let's say we're in a horror movie. And you, you're in the movie. You're chilling with your friends. you all at the, the, the camp for the weekend or whatever, the summer vacation. And you and your people say, yo, you see that dude right there? He looks sneaky. We got to watch out for him. And in the original movie, and in the sequel, and in the second sequel, and the fourth sequel, uh, over and over again, you keep on saying, hey, that's the bad we got to watch out for. At some point, you can't sneak up on me. Whether, whether you succeed or not, that's a different thing. But you ain't sneaking up on me if every year we peeping you. And there's the crazy thing. Every year the Chargers are supposed to be the sneaky team, and they trip up over themselves. And those, the only thing that's sneaky is how they going to fuck up. Every year, every year, Slim, the Chargers, they're going to do this, and they don't make it anywhere. The Chargers, watch out for them. They don't do shit. They got a great quarterback, but quarterback has never been an issue. Again, Phillip Rivers, they had, I think, Tyrod, but Tyrod's not a bad quarterback, but you know, I get it. He's not a great quarterback. He's not somebody that you rant and rave about, but he wasn't the reason they were losing. You go from Phillip Rivers and then go essentially to Justin Herbert. Quarterback play hasn't been the reason why the Chargers aren't winning. Tough running game. Great quarterback play. Elite receiving threats. Top defense. Pass rush. It doesn't matter. They just can't do it. And I'm so sick of hearing about them. They are the Baker Mayfield of teams. Every time you turn on the TV, you see the commercials, you hear about them ranting and raving, and it's like, cool, I get it. I I, I can vibe with this. And then when it's time to show up, they fall flat on their faces. But we live in a world, and we touched on this a bit earlier, where Mike Tomlin has to fight for his respect. Maybe not respect. I think people respect Mike Tomlin, but there are enough there are enough people who think that all right, his time has come. Oh, what has Mike Tomlin done recently? And every year we there's all these other teams and coaches and players who get all this hype, all of this hype, and they don't do shit. Look at the Raiders. The Raiders were in the middle of all types of controversies that weren't even their fault. People thought there was a a league-wide conspiracy. They got entangled up in something that had nothing to do with them. It was about the Washington football team emails. All this other stuff that coach comes out to be just a fucking asshole. And they make the playoffs. Even with all of that. I don't necessarily think that the Raiders have more talent than the Chargers do. Do you? Does anybody else feel that way? So what's going on with the Chargers that for over a decade now, they just can't get right. It can't be the talent because every year y'all tell me that they're going to be the sneaky team. And you're not telling me they're going to be sneaky because of their cleats. (laughs) I assume you're not telling me that they're going to be the sneaky, sexy pick because of the way their jerseys look. But I believe you're telling me this because of the talent that they have, right? I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. It's a fair assumption to make. Everybody, all of these quote-unquote experts are telling me that the Chargers are the team du jour because of the talent. So why is it that for over a decade, the talent don't mean shit? Most important position is quarterback. Chargers seemingly get that down pat pretty much clear. I mean, Justin Herbert's supposed to be better than Patrick Mahomes. And why the fuck is he still sending that home? Got an elite running back. Got a top defense. Got a great head coach. Y'all talk about this coach like he fucking Bill Belichick. Why? So what's happening? Where's the disconnect? Because I don't get it. I'm so sick of the charges, bro. But maybe they can turn things around. Hell, Georgia did it. Before Monday night, I was sick of the Bulldogs because they kept on getting hype and they kept on striking out with runners in scoring position every every time they got into a big time situation. At some point you got to come through. And kudos to Georgia. We're going to book in this show. Kudos to Georgia. They came through in the biggest stage possible Monday night. So it's not impossible. It's not impossible that the Chargers couldn't ultimately do it next year or sometime in the future, but fuck if we keep on talking about them until they do. They say sports is a make or break league or put up a shut up endeavor. The Chargers put up a whole bunch of nice looking clips, nice highlight reels. They got great jerseys. <laughs> you feel me? Really dope jerseys. They have great players. If you separate everything and just look at them as an individual, as in a vacuum, like each uh, position group, each player. Yeah, it's a lot to like. But then when you put it all in a pot, you realize, man, what the fuck is going on? Y'all not really built like this. So why do we keep on paying y'all this much attention? Why each summer... Do we talk about the Chargers being the team to be on the lookout for? You know what? At this point, if y'all do sneak up on me, shout out to you. Because at this point, I ain't paying y'all no more attention. I'm sick of hearing about the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers. Put up a shut up to them. Because coasting as being the NFL version of Baker Mayfield, the NFL team version of Baker Mayfield. We shit on Baker Mayfield all day. Baker Mayfield made the playoffs last year. What's the last time we can say that about the Chargers. Nobody's comparing Baker Mayfield to Patrick Mahomes. We've already done that with Herbert. We pick and choose when we want to take shots, but for whatever reason, there are these darlings that exist and It's not like they're the lovable losers. We're not mistaking the Chargers with the Lions now. The Lions don't have talent. The Chargers do. And the Chargers have never necessarily had to be held accountable for their failures. Blame the coach. Blame the coach. Maybe it's time we take a wider view and look around because it can't just be Anthony Lynn. It can't just be Marty Schottenheimer or whomever else has been leading this team for the last 13, 15 years. It's something else going on here. And until we can figure it out, until we can resolve the situation, one request. Charge your fans. Charge your faithful. Quote-unquote experts who give out sneaky teams. I don't want to hear about the Washington football team. I don't want to hear about the Giants. I don't want to hear about the Dolphins. And I damn sure am sick of hearing about the Chargers. Can you do me this one favor? And the moment you think that the Chargers are going to be someone that needs to be covered or needs to be talked about as a potential sneaky, dangerous, under-the-radar team, just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Just do me that one, one small favor and shut the fuck up. Talked all about the Chargers, didn't say shit about the Bengals. Shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up Please and thank you Alright y'all That's the show this week Hopefully you enjoyed it Again, small house cleaning uh, Things I want to get to first If you have time If you enjoyed the show Can you do me this one favor Head on over to Apple Podcast iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Wherever you listen to podcasts Download and subscribe to the Quarterly Report show Again, Quarterly Report Spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R Hyphen L E E report. And while you're there, if you can write a review, leave me five stars. But most importantly, write a review. Tell me, tell your friends, tell the world why you enjoy, in my humble opinion, the best sports podcast out today. Also, I want to thank you all so much. Remember, you can email me at quarterly report at gmail.com, tweet at the show at quarterly show. And I will see you guys back here next week for another episode. Of the quarterly report podcast Y'all be safe